For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, 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 friends. Welcome to this week's edition of The Lindsay Elmore Show. Today, I will be talking with Suzanne Tedrick. She currently works as a cloud computing technical specialist at IBM, and we will be talking all about how women can have a greater presence in technology jobs and how we can find mentors and advocates in the workplace that we need. After that, we'll have our first segment of Ask Me Anything, the part of the show where you can submit a question for me to answer live on air. Thank you so much for listening to the brand new Lindsay Elmore Show. If you like it, share it with your friends and let us know what additional topics you'd like us to tackle by sending us a suggestion over on our website. Head to www.lindsayelmore.com podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Now... Let's talk to Suzanne. Welcome to The Lindsay Elmore Show, a podcast that helps you find fulfillment amidst chaos. On this show, I interview thought leaders, doctors, creatives, spiritual gurus, and game changers who inspire you to pursue your dreams, overcome obstacles, and leave your mark. so much for having me, Lindsay. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so excited to talk to you today because as I did the research to prepare for this show, I was astonished at the disparity of women in technology. We see a huge disparity of women in color in technology jobs, and a lot of major tech companies don't even fully report how many women of color work, especially in the technology realm. It can be really hard for people to envision themselves in a career if they've never seen anyone who looks like them do that job before. And you wrote a great book, and one of the goals of the book seems to be to encourage young girls, young women to pursue careers in technology. How do you propose that we get more parity of girls going into careers in technology and how can women of color stay in those jobs once they're there? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, so for myself, I think it's a, a wide-ranging issue. Um, many people cite that, oh, it's you know, not having access to adequate STEM courses mm-hmm. or you know, not having diverse and inclusive workplaces or you know, not having that family structure of getting that support. Mm-hmm. I think it's all of those all things. things yep. I think it starts at a young age, like being exposed to STEM and being supported to mm-hmm. go into STEM. Uh, sometimes we don't 
realize that some of our actions with our, our younger girls might actually discourage them from pursuing uh, STEM careers mm-hmm. or tech careers. Mm-hmm. I remember vividly uh, volunteering at a girls in STEM event, and there was a young a woman who came by and she was looking at a Raspberry Pi computer. She looked so enthralled. I and have no idea what a Raspberry oh, Pi yeah, computer so <laughs> even is. I'm so lost already. So it's, tell us what that is. Absolutely. So a uh, Raspberry Pi is a small computer. It's, uh-huh. it's literally like the computers that you have at home, your desktop, yeah. but at a very small micro level where okay. you can experiment and see what components go inside a computer. Oh, how, fun. You know, program it, inter- you know, make robotics. Um, so it's like an engineering toy. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So um, she was looking looking at the Raspberry Pi that was on the table and I noticed that she was very nervous to to come closer and I encouraged her to I'm like please by all means we're all we're all techies here please yeah. feel free and so we, she, we geek out on this stuff exactly. as much as you do we love this <laughs> and you know she was asking questions she was really enthralled and then her parents came by and they were just like okay we gotta go like, yeah because you know this is not our thing and you know I just don't see you doing this yeah and it was really disappointing because that could have been a moment where you know the the spark was kind of fueled Mm -hmm. to go further um and realizing that parents are very tired doing these types of fairs I I totally get it but it's moments like that that it's like you can elaborate further on that spark that curiosity yeah so I think it's important to have that support structure early on and often Mm -hmm. Um, so encouraging parents to nurture these exploratory behaviors in STEM courses could could really help these young girls to go into these careers and feel like it's possible. Right. Uh, I think sometimes what happens is that when they primarily see boys, you know, doing something, and I I know that to some extent it might be cultural, Mm -hmm. girls might look at that as, oh, that's a boy's field, or Mm -hmm. that's not a field for me. Uh, If they're particularly struggling in science and math, like I did growing up, um, they're like, oh, well, because I struggled, you know, this is not a career for me. Mm -hmm. When the reality is, it's just trying a little harder and finding where you can leverage your strengths. Well, and for me, I struggled with math growing up. But then once once I got into pharmacy school and the math became important for saving someone's life, all of a sudden math became very easy. And so finding what actually motivates your desire to pursue something can make the calculus way easier at some point in time. Right. And so what else? You say this is a multifactorial problem. So, okay, support from parents, exposure to STEM early on. But what about as women get older and they just face setbacks, they're the only woman in the room. They're the only computer science major that's that's a woman. How do you tangibly teach young women who are just like, oh, I'm ready to give up on this to stick with it? Yeah, it's tough. Um, there's no question about it. And you know, in talking to the women that you know, were featured in the book, I can understand why some of them mm-hmm. chose because it's just male dominated and you're just not getting that advocacy and support. I think it's better now because there are so many organizations and so many places that you can reach out to and so many people that you can cultivate in your network. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I highlight very much mm-hmm. in the book. 
rely on your network because sometimes in your your academic environment, your work environment, even your home environment, you may not be getting what you need to have that that grit and tenacity to stay with it, even mm-hmm. though you have the spark. Mm-hmm. So really relying on your network, your mentors, your sponsors, um, people that you admire. I think having that is incredibly important mm-hmm. and relying on them to get through those difficult moments. So you talk about in your book mentorship at work, sponsorship at work, and coaching. And when do you know that you need each of those? And how do you identify those people in the workplace? So for me, the difference between mentorship, sponsorship, and coaching Mentorship is just to kind of get a general sense of where your mentee would like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, if they're starting out in a particular career field and they're like, okay, I'm new to, let's say, project management mm-hmm. and I want to begin this career, what kind of things should I be thinking about? What should I be doing? Where should I be focusing my attention? Yep. And so the mentor is providing that guidance, you know, as well as that encouragement and holding them accountable for the goals that they set forth. Mm -hmm. Sponsorship is a little different in that, yes, they're providing those things as well, but they're taking it a step further. If they see that that mentee is really putting in the effort, they're really putting in the work, they're asking the questions, they're networking, doing all that they can to be successful that's a sign that this is someone that's going to be successful in that role Mm -hmm. and the sponsor uses their resources their clout their you know position of authority exactly they're an advocate to Mm -hmm. advance you in your career Mm -hmm. and there comes a point where you're you know where you have many mentors which is very important but when you want to progress in your career when you you know, want to take the step forward, you need somebody that's going to be willing to put their reputation on the line and say, I think you should hire this Mm -hmm. woman because she brings XYZ to the table and she's going to do a phenomenal job. This is the person that you want writing your letters of recommendation, nominating you for awards in your field. They really speak up on your behalf. Whereas it sounds like what you're saying about a mentor is they put you in the position to succeed, but it's up to you. Um, but the sponsor is probably at a much more senior level and they're, they're bringing you on their journey too. Exactly. And it's, it's hard, you know, it's, it's not something that you just, you know, co-sign your name to every person that you, oh, of course that not. you mentor because obviously that's risky for the sponsor. Yeah. But when you recognize great talent and you recognize great potential, you want to see them succeed and you want to see them move to the next step. You know, they need sponsorship. Well, and it's also when the timing is right. right. It's, it, it's, it's having a sponsor that is tuned in and knows you well enough to go, this, Suzanne would absolutely just be the best possible candidate for this one job based on the skill sets that she has. And so um, I love the idea of finding a sponsor. I was actually unaware that this was a thing, but now to hear you explain it, it makes total sense why you would need yeah, that in the workplace. Because sometimes what happens is, you know, there, there are mentorship programs in place, whether they're formal or informal, and I think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. But then there comes a point where you may be over-mentored, where you're getting all of this great advice and you're doing all of these things and nothing is happening. Yeah. Like you're still just kind of, 
stuck and no one's having those harder conversations with with you about well this is what you do need to do to succeed mm-hmm. no one's putting themselves out there from a reputational standpoint of saying you need to advance this person yeah. um, so it's really really difficult well and women in those situations where they've got all these great mentors they've learned all these things we tend to be shy to ask we don't ask someone hey are you willing to recommend me for this job will you and so what do you teach women about how to kind of boss up walk in the room and ask when you do need that kind of sponsorship yeah it's so I mean full disclosure it's really hard for me it was it was hard for me when I was beginning because I always felt like very meek and that I should wait and I should you know they should are supposed to behave and like they should recognize you should recognize how awesome I am (laughs) obviously you know and, and I was like that's not how the real world works no. it's it's not like that and as one of my colleagues uh sam likes to say the closed mouth doesn't get fed you've oh, okay. gotta you have to be your own advocate when it comes to your career as difficult as it may be no one is going to care about your career as much as you no and no. it's just one of those scary things that you just have to take ownership of and ask the question could there be repercussions sure and in the book, I talk about that because they always tell you the worst that they can say is no. Yeah. I don't want to be that naive and say that, you know, that, that there aren't repercussions, depe- right. depending on the environment that mm-hmm. you're in. Mm-hmm. But you can't expect people to give you what you deserve if you don't advocate and put yourself first. So that's a little scary. It is. So, like, what do you see as the risks? Like, what are some of these negative repercussions that can happen to women in the workplace when they do go out on a limb and stop being meek and mild and say, hey, guys, I deserve equal pay here, you yeah. know? So you get labeled certain labels. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Instead of being the boss, you're the other B word. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, instead of being assertive, you're B. Yeah. Instead of being, you know, team player, you're selfish. You know, like there, there's all of these like negative repercussions that, that come with it. And so I, I don't want to, you know, gloss over that yeah. because there are still places that unfortunately attach that to you when you don't, when you're not coming as the meek you know, mm-hmm. grateful yeah. woman, you know, and like, oh, thank you so much for giving me this because, you know, I didn't deserve it on my own. Right. <laughs> I didn't go and get my degree and excel in all of my courses, put in self-study time, get additional certifications. Like, thanks, guys. Yeah, you're you just know? like, oh, I'm just so, I'm just so grateful. And when, when that is furthest from the truth, no. you, des- you deserve it. 100%. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so there are places that are like that. Um, I would say that you want to be cognizant of the organizations that you attach yourself to. Yes. And one of the things I discuss in the book is being choosy about your potential employer just as much as they're being choosy about yeah. you know, who's coming in. Well, it, there are subtle forms of racism and gender inequality all over the workplace. And it's not just subtle all the time. Sometimes it's completely overt. And there's a lot of debate about quotas and headcounts and is this the right thing to do? How do we achieve parity without that she just got this job because she's a woman? She just got this job because she's black. She doesn't deserve it. And so what 
signs can women look for even just during the interview phase to know the company that I'm about to work for truly values women, truly values diversity, and truly thinks that I am the correct fit for this job based on my skill set and is willing to pay me fairly for that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's important to try to do as much due diligence and research. So obviously there are sites like um, Glassdoor and Fairy Godboss that give you very candid reviews. Mm-hmm. Obviously you have to take all of that with a grain of salt. Yeah, sometimes they're angry ex-employees right. doing the reviewing, but... But we're, I am of the belief that where there's smoke, there is fire. Yeah. If there's enough consistency and themes that are present, that's mm-hmm. probably a sign. I would also say talk to the people that you're going to be working with, like, and not and just the person you're going not, to work yeah, to. like just have a conversation and just like ask them for their to be candid. Obviously, they're they're only going to reveal so much to you, for sure. But there are certain subtle things that you can pick up on if you re- if you feel like they're being diplomatic versus. <laughs> you yes. know, or they're just giving some standard recruiting line. Yeah. You can pick up on that pretty, pretty and quickly. And watch the body language. Yeah. Like, know? yeah. Um, and then the position itself are, are the responsibilities and roles. Like, are you actually going to be in a position of authority where mm-hmm. you have full agency to mm-hmm. do what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Or is this more of a token sit still look pretty exactly because it looks because it it looks good yes (laughs) no it looks good for who exactly it's one of the things that they've they've mentioned in several studies is that you know places that have diversity and inclusion programs they'll hire women of color in managerial roles but they don't have actual full power there's Mm. someone above them who's actually kind of calling the shots mm-hmm. or they always have to ask permission mm-hmm. to get something done and it's like well then is that truly you know hiring for diversity or, right. or are you checking off a box mm-hmm. for whatever purposes and that has to just absolutely feel horrible there's nothing worse at work than feeling like you're scared to do your job other than probably being marginalized and knowing that no one respects you and that everyone is like, yeah, yeah, she's the manager kind of feeling. <laughs> it's a terrible feeling. Yeah, it's it's awful. I, I remember at a former employer, um, so for whatever reasons, the human resources director at the time told me candidly, you were the affirmative action higher oh thanks yeah thanks. I'm, like, I, I'm not really sure why that was divulged to me but and the hr manager <laughs> should know that <laughs> but she she essentially said that when they hired me i wasn't the first second or third choice yeah i was unfortunately forced upon this group oh dear and then when i was moving on they were like oh we really love her we want her to stay and i'm like it makes you have so many different Yes. The feeling. Because especially if they're coming back and they're like, no, we see your value now. Here's additional money to come back and here's maybe some additional responsibilities that you might have. And you're just like, wait a minute. You <laughs> just told me that you didn't want me to begin with. It's exactly. like, you know, it's like I'm the parasite you got used to or something that yeah. just kind of leached on. It's it, that makes demoralizing. No sense. <laughs> so demoralizing. Um, And so another problem I think that so many women face is being the only woman in the room, 
being the only black woman in the room, I'm sure has happened to you more than a few times. So you have to find people who are men who are white to be allies. And so like, how do you identify people that genuinely value diversity and see your skill sets? And how do you work with those people as allies in the workplace? Yeah, so one of the things I am really fortunate about is that I've had many allies within the organization. Um, in fact, I, I say very candidly that many of the advocates I've I've had in my career have actually been white men mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. have seen the value and the skill sets that I bring and have vocally advocated for me to advance in my career. So that's it's wonderful. I think uh, for me, allyship is it's not a one and done thing. Mm -hmm. Like I oh I sent a letter of recommendation, you know, and this person happens to be a woman of color. So you know that that's my allyship. Mm -hmm. It's a sustained committed mm -hmm. effort yep. like you're, you're really going out there you're putting yourself out there you're using your position of authority to really kind of challenge you know what's going on in your organization yes. or how certain practices are going so yeah and the other part of allyship is learning mm -hmm. um one of the things i i wrote about in the book is that um you know, I can't expect someone who is not a black woman mm -hmm. to understand how I look at something in my unique lens. Right. So I know that sometimes an ally is going to fall short. Mm -hmm. The difference is that when I talk to those allies and I tell them, you know, this is why I feel what I feel and that they actually learn from it and mm -hmm. they take that, they mm -hmm. grow from it mm -hmm. rather than being defensive or mm -hmm. taking it as, coloring them, you know, a racist or another derogatory right. label. Yeah. They know that they don't have that unique lens. Well, I think I shared this story with you when we were on the phone. I heard a woman say that one of the ways she experienced just subtle forms of unintentional, completely coming out of a person's mouth thinking it's totally innocent, is every time she went and got her hair done, people would comment and be like, Oh, you did you did your hair. And and it's like, yes, like black women have different hair and it actually requires some differential care. But until I heard her say that, I would have never thought like just commenting whereas no one has ever come to me in probably 10-15 years and been like oh, you've got this dramatic haircut or you've got this this difference. There is a difference that I am acknowledging right. in you. And so I do understand that I don't know what I don't know. Um, and I also don't know what you know. Right. And that's the important thing. <laughs> yeah. And I think another, as you said, with allies is questioning what the organization is doing and looking around the room and going like, why are there 12 people on this committee and no one is black? Or why are there 12 people on this committee and there's one woman? Right. Like, what is going on here? And why do we not have different voices? Because I think, what do you think the benefits of having so many different backgrounds, opinions, and, and races and ethnicities brings to a discussion? Yeah, it, it helps you look at problems in a way that you probably wouldn't have and come up with solutions that are actually perhaps better improved than if you had thought about it on your own. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I, I talk about is um, the use of artificial intelligence 
in technology. Mm-hmm. And one of the key concerns that many technologists have is bias mm-hmm. in the fact that we're using AI in just about everything. <laughs> yes. Um, things that are making very life altering decisions like yes. whether to get at an apartment or you know whether, on an airplane or yeah <laughs> whether I mean, to get alone. A, a news article just came out last week that even the most advanced AIs are looking at not just black women but famous black women and mischaracterizing them as men right and so and even like Michelle Obama who you would think would be an easy recognizable face because she's so famous AI can't tell her is misclassifying them right. as as men um, so do go on. I'm fascinated yeah, by yeah. This. And, 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 and I mean, it's making some pretty serious decisions. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is that the people who are making these programs and, you know, developing them, you know, and integrating them in the things that we use day to day, they don't look like us. Uh-huh. And they don't understand that because you haven't lived this life and through this lens, you can't possibly see how this might be biased against me mm-hmm. and how this might have continuing derogatory you know, effects for me down the line. Well, Suzanne Tedrick, it has been an honor to talk to you today. Thank you. I hope everyone will head out and grab your new book, Women of Color in Tech, a blueprint for inspiring and mentoring the next generation of technology innovators. All the girls out there listening, (laughs) you can look up to and know that getting into any career is a possibility. Just find your mentors, find your allies, and get out there and go change the world. Absolutely. We need you, so please. (laughs) Do you have big dreams but are unsure how to put them into action? Brand Strategies Lab is the place to turn your ideas into the nuts and bolts that you need to create, revitalize, or expand your brand. It is an online business training course that helps you decide who you are, what you sell, and who will buy it. It is hosted on a brand new social media platform called Channels. If you love Marco Polo, video chatting with your friends, or Snapchat, then you will absolutely love Channels. I created Brand Strategies Lab following more than 10 years of business coaching, mentorship, reading, and personal growth. Find out more and be the first to access this new training at www.lindsayelmore.com bsl. That's www.lindsayelmore.com slash B-S-L. To end today's show, we will be answering a question from one of our followers over on Instagram. Today in Ask Me Anything, Relish49 asks me, what would I recommend to someone with chronic bone pain of unknown origin? Okay, well, that got me to thinking about one of the most important questions that I have ever been asked. Back when I was a first year student in pharmacy school, I tore my ACL and it was bad. I mean, you know, I had to have surgery. I was on crutches for six or 12 weeks. I mean, and it was San Francisco, so it was raining all day, every day. And I ended up meeting Connie Grouds. And Connie is a pharmacist as well as a shaman trained in Peru. She left the practice of pharmacy to pursue shamanic medicine. And I sat down with her, just tears pouring down my face, 
wondering what to do about my knee. And she asked me, why did you need this injury? And I stuttered. I, I mean, I, I was blown away. And ever since that time, every time something gets injured or I cut myself or there is something that is just painful or there's a sickness in my body, I just ask myself, why did I need this? Is this my body intentionally telling me to slow down? What can I learn from this and love it even in the face of confusion or anxiety or pain? And so I think that when we have things that are awry in our body, we have to remember that God designed us to be well. We are supposed to be able to accomplish everything that we want to be able to accomplish in this world. So if there are things that are holding you back and you just are frustrated and you don't understand why this is in your body, take a minute and just ask yourself, why did I need this? And it works not just for physical ailments. Why did you need this really painful breakup? Why did you need someone who you love to hurt you? And what can you learn from those things? The Lindsay Elmore Show is written and produced by me, Lindsay Elmore. Show segments are produced by Sue Procco and Kelsey Lorman. Production design, sound design, and editing is by Jive Media. If you have a question about this or any other episode of the podcast, send us an email to hello at lindsayelmoreshow.com. And hey, since you're still here, take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And while you're at it, go over and follow us on Instagram at Show. This helps us bring the pod to more people. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.